says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. He that dwelleth, what it means is to sit down, but it means to submit. He that sits down shall abide under the presence, the covering, the protection. Here's the promise. If I submit to his word, he promises to give me rest and shelter from everything that I fight through today. A lot of people battle and fight things in their spirit, their mind. It's nothing more than a reflection of the battle that's going on outside of this world. And we become sometimes the target from these things. You ever go kind of through the day and it's like a thought just hits you out of nowhere, a feeling hits you out of nowhere when you've been just happy-go-lucky all day and then all of a sudden you just on a whim just kind of get this uncontrolled frustration, anger, rage maybe. They call it road rage. I'm telling you, it ain't just on the road. <laughs> it's all over the place. Well, here's what it is. You're a target because God has said, in you, I will make my abode. In you, I will dwell. And wherever God is, the enemy ain't happy with the, the place he has set up his dwelling. But you know, the beautiful thing in all of it is he promises me. He's going to give me rest. He's going to give me comfort. He's going to encourage me. And he's going to help me along the way. He's going to help me along the way. My old grandfather, he preached a message. Dad, you'll remember this. He used that scripture about joy along the way. He said, you might not have joy all the way, but along the way there's going to be joy that God's going to give you to help you. Aren't you thankful just to be in the presence of the Lord? Why don't we just one more time. There's such a sweet presence of God here today. Just lift your hands one more time. Come on, just ask God to just saturate your soul. Come on, just saturate my soul here tonight. Saturate my soul tonight. Sister Ashley, I want you to sing that chorus one more time. Just tilt your head back, close your eyes. Don't worry about the words on the screen. If you can lift your arms, if you can lift your head. That's all I'm here for. Come on, abide under the shadow. Abide under the wing. There's protection in this place tonight for somebody. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He's my refuge and fortress. He will I trust. Come on, that's what you're saying right now. God, I put my trust. I don't understand the health problems. I don't understand my family problems. But God, I'm going to trust you're going to work it all out somehow. Oh, I feel the help of the Lord here tonight for somebody that's come in heavy late.
This is the beautiful benefit coming to the house of God with an open heart, believing God for help and strength, just like He promises He would do. Old Testament, everything 20 years old and above had to make a trip to Jerusalem once a year. I doubt, Brother Bush, now that as that 20-year-old was walking with that 70-year-old or 65-year-old father, I doubt that father was looking over his shoulder and, boy, you know what? There's a more convenient way we could figure this out. But I guarantee you, if I know some of those Jews and the readings I find, it's where David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let me go into the house of the Lord. So when they made that trek to Jerusalem once a year, Brother Roger, I guarantee you, when they were on their way to the house of the Lord, it might have got a little weary, might have got a little tiresome. But I guarantee you, there was something in their heart that kept saying, Ball, but when we get there, it's going to be so good. I feel that here tonight. Yeah, you say that, we're just coming to the house of God. Yeah, when we get here, it's going to be so good. It's going to be the refreshment I've been waiting for. But what about the other one? But when we get to heaven, Brother Roger, Brother Bush, now it's going to be so good, ain't it? It's going to be so good when we get to the other side. The thing we deal with and fight with, it's going to be worth it. God bless you. You can be seated here for a moment. I know Brother Fontenot mentioned some of these things, or I think you did. If you didn't, we got Brother Mark Crowder. Did you say anything about that? Brother Crowder is going to be with us this weekend, and he's coming in Friday, going to help uh, the, the singers and musicians, and, and uh, they're going to have a time Friday night, Saturday, uh, practicing and working and, and, and on and so forth getting ready and then he'll be with us Sunday again Sunday morning Sunday night and uh, I'm very excited about that I'm not going to say a whole lot probably when he gets here there'll be guests and different things but uh, I do want to uh, bring it to all of our attention the caliber of of anointing that brother Crowder carries is is tremendous and uh, he's used all over the world matter of fact he's been in two different music meetings I think this past weekend before and and I'm just so thankful that the Lord has saw fit that he could come and be with us and uh, help us in where we're trying to go in God. You know, that's what this thing is all about. We need all the help we can get. It doesn't mean we're bad. It just means we need all the help we can get to get where we're going. And, uh, you know, a carpenter, when he goes to build a house, I doubt he shows up with just a hammer. As he built that staircase over yonder in some Italy land that ain't got no nails in it. Uh, most people need nails, most people need a saw, most people need these tools and resources. Well, that's what fivefold ministry is. It's the tools that God has given the church, giftings and offices that God has given the church to help us and equip us. The Bible said it's for the perfecting of the saints. And I believe that we need not perfecting, but maturing is what that word means. It's for our growth. It's for our betterment. That's why I don't believe in a one-man show. You got a one-man show, you got a problem. It's not a one-man show. It's a five-fold ministry God thing. And God flows through those five-fold, that five-fold ministry. We've been talking about prayer. And I want to pick back up with it here again tonight. And uh, the reading, if you could, Brother Ron, 
Uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 1 is where I stopped last time. I want to pick up there. Uh, Lexi, write down for him Acts 6, uh, chapter, uh, verse 6 through 7. We're going to go there next. Acts 8 and 15, we're going to go there. Uh, Acts 12 and 5 and verse 12, Lexi. And uh, Acts 9 and 40, maybe. But for sure, Acts 12, Acts 8, and Acts 6. I was talking, I was talking to someone the other day, and, uh, you know, it, it's funny. You, you begin to, uh, when, that's why the Bible says iron sharpeneth iron. You, you begin talking with people that have the same interests, and uh, you, you begin hearing some of the same uh, things. I think that's the way God designs it in the body. Uh, if, if, if one part of the body is hearing something different than another part of the body, uh, in, a, in a bigger picture, something could be off. But it's a beautiful thing, and I've recognized this going to camp meetings. That's why I've always believed in being a part. Even when I evangelized, be a part of camp meetings. I wasn't looking for places to preach. I went to camp meeting for one reason. Everything that I heard in prayer and sermons and messages that God was giving me to preach all over the place... I would go to camp meeting and I would hear some of the same thoughts and messages and what it was doing for me was confirming back to me that I was hearing. It was the iron sharpening iron. It was the balance. Uh, that's why some of these guys, uh, Brother Bushnell, you could preach a good one on this. These people that say, I don't need the body and I don't need to go to these different meetings, I don't understand that. I think those things are very important uh, for, for especially when it comes to camp meeting. Uh, it brings everybody together in unity. But in this conversation, we were talking and it came back around to prayer. And I'm, I'm hearing it more and more. It's not just a rambling uh, thought, but it, it's like almost uh, every other day or, or frequently through the day, maybe inadvertently, I hear something about prayer, whether it's a fellow minister I'm talking to or just a saint of God that, that's calling uh, and, and asking some things about prayer. I'm, I'm dealing with this. How, how does the scripture say? Or what? Help me. Teach me. There's such a hunger for people to know how to pray right now. And if there's ever a time for you and I to know how to pray, it's now. You know, I thought back, I made a comment to somebody about my grandfather. My grandfather didn't have YouTube. My grandfather didn't have videos. My grandfather didn't have even tapes or cassettes. My grandfather didn't have that. All my grandfather had, Dad, was a Bible and a concordance, but they knew how to pray. They knew how to get, and I thank God for all these modern things that God has allowed us to have and to give to us. But more than all of that, if we can learn how to pray and seek God in all of these things, we would see a big, big difference come to much, much of our lives and our families. This particular text here, Again, I'm still dealing with James, and I'm, I'm trying to move to the great crescendo of James. One of my favorite verses of it, where the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man is going to avail. There's so much rich just in that scripture alone. But before we get there, we've been talking about how to pray. We've been talking about positions of prayer. We've been talking about uh, what to say. I mean, a lot, I had a lot of people say, well, what do I say in prayer? Well, we got to remember, we got a lot of new converts that are coming now. we got people and more new converts that are going to be part of our congregation. And if there's anything I want them to learn before we do anything, I want them to learn how to pray and seek God and get a hold of God. Brother Kilgore said it like this. People would come for him and say, I need to make an appointment with you and I need to seek counsel with you. And he would say it like this. Okay, that's fine. But I need you to pray and fast for about three or four days and then we're going to meet. No, I didn't get no amens, no nods on nothing like that. 
He said, I need you to pray and fast. Why? Because here's the issue with all of it is, is our flesh. It's our flesh. God in the very beginning begins to give us an unfolding of what he desires in man. He started with Adam and Eve, communion and fellowship. But then he goes even more. He calls Moses out of the Ur of Chaldees. The burning bush was more than a burning bush. The burning bush was God trying to tell a man, I want to have relationship with you. I want to know you and I want you to know me. And it didn't end right there. From there, it was other men that God would call out. The apostles were not just men just for a purpose to fulfill. But before you can ever occupy the purpose God has for you, you got to know the one that's telling you the purpose. We want purpose and we want dreams and we want things to just unfold immediately. And God's saying, if you'll get to know me, if you'll get to understanding me, it's not one thing for it's one thing for you to hear about an experience you had, or you to hear his experience. But it's a total different thing for you to have your own experience in God. And before you're ever going to find your purpose, you're not going to find your purpose hearing what God's doing in him. Thank God for the testimony. I like that. But when it comes down to where the rubber meets the road, I've got to have my own burning bush experience. I've got to have my own Damascus Road experience. Our religion is just going to take over and we're just going to occupy a pew, you a little thing here and there and never have relationship. See, what happened in here tonight wasn't about the music. It was about somebody in this building that knows who he is and you begin to lift your hands when you really didn't feel like it because you begin to hear a word that said the goodness of God. God's a healer. God is faithful. God is mighty. And God began to quicken to you that he's never left you and he's never forsaken you. And relationship began to birth worship that created an atmosphere in this building. And if we don't teach new converts how to have relationship with God, that he's somebody that can be touched. You can't see him. No. But you can have him touch you and he touch you. You touch him. And those apostles, he didn't come out and lay it out. He'd give them bits and pieces. But he, they walked with him for three years for one reason. They had to know him. And out of it came great stories. And out of it came great, pur great purposes. And out of it came, came great revelations. But it was more than just that. They had to see the fact that he didn't have a place to lay his head. They had to see the fact that he was going to be rejected. And they in turn were going to be rejected down the road. That don't come by story. That comes by walking with him and talking to him. And I want to help somebody from the very beginning of this little lesson. He can walk with you every day if you and I will put our trust in him. The battle. I mean, if I asked for a show of hands again, was it hard to pray today? Yeah. Was it hard to pray yesterday? Yeah. Now, it might not have been hard for some that just kind of walks the floor and just said, Jesus, 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 love you, Jesus, love you, Jesus. But for those that really want to know him, did you fight yesterday and today and even Monday when you tried to move into the presence of God and begin to, and it felt like you were just walking in mud? Why? Because the enemy knows your lifeline is prayer. And you say, well, I messed up. No, 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 no. If you did everything you could do, 
You did fine. Get back up the next day and call on his name again. And the next day after that, call on his name again. Because prayer is not a one-shot deal. Prayer is an everyday walking relationship and communion and dialogue with him. That's why when I started this, I even thought tonight, man, I got tons of, man, I go in all kind of stuff, Brother Fontenot. I got some stuff just itching on me. Not just that, but itching in me. But I kept feeling God is wanting to impart to somebody the spirit of prayer. I can't give it to you. I can teach it and teach it and teach it and teach it. I can scream it. I can talk it. I can whisper it. I can crawl it. I can sit it. I can stand it. I can exemplify it. But all of that is no good until God imparts it to your spirit. You say, well, what's the determining factor? The determining factor is me just saying, God, I need that more than anything in this world. You say, is it that easy? It's that easy. I submit to your will, God. And the more I submit, the greater I get or the closer I get to him in relationship. The greater the authority, the greater the responsibility, the greater the proximity you will be to him. So as God moves us as a church into greater authority or greater anointings or greater purposes, with that, Brother Roger, is going to come a greater proximity to him. But it seems like he's a million miles away right now. He's not a million miles away. He's closer now on your worst day than he was on your best day. Because on your best day, you really didn't pray that hard because you had everything figured out. But on your worst day, it's really when you kind of ball up in your gut and you begin to say, Jesus, I need you to show up now if I've never needed you to show up before. And it's not just about him fixing our problem. It's about him manifesting himself. I promise some young couple this. If you ever get a glimpse of what I've gotten a glimpse of in prayer you'll never be the same again it'll help you in temptation it'll help you in struggle it'll help you in battles when I sat there in that hospital room they walked in sister Debbie sister Patty I'm laid out one of the saints of God from the church shows up bringing some fruit I'm going to stop right there brother Charlie Bible says a fool uttereth all that's in his heart. I'm going to keep that one to me. But when she walked in that room, she didn't bring no angels. She brought fruit. But as she stood there, Brother Charlie, for the first time in my life, I saw that angel. Three times and he stood right there. And he just stood there at that window. And then he just left. And from there, Brother Charlie, I remember times in prayer. Brother Butch, I'll go to him in prayer. And it ain't every time. I can remember key times in my life, Brother Butch, where I felt like my back was up against the wall. That old Jezebel hopeless feeling just sets in. That's the spirit of Jezebel. If you're feeling hopelessness, you're fighting Jezebel. I can prove it in Scripture another day. That old hopelessness comes in, Brother Butch, and it just feels like, Brother Mike, nothing ever going to change and nothing's ever going to happen, Brother Charlie. And my back's up against the wall. And now, when I begin to feel that, boom, he'll show up. 
You say, well, Benoit, that's because you're the preacher. I don't believe that, Brother Charlie. I believe that God will do that for any individual. That want. Why? Because they're ambassadors of the throne. They're sitting and encamped around those that fear the Lord. So my key is this, Brother Roger. If I fear the Lord with a godly fear, I want to fear him. I don't want to displease him. I don't want to grieve him. The Bible says the angels of the Lord are encamped around those. God's looking to show somebody how powerful he is in your life and situations that he's working on and all it takes is one honest surrender I know I'm preaching to people that Benoit, I, I, I've been doing that don't stop don't quit see because those moments I'm not seeking moments I'm not seeking the experience I sought him and out of him came the moment The challenge I face and the challenge you face is man getting to that place of prayer and really getting in to who would be honest enough here today I'm fixing to get to the scriptures who'd be honest enough to say I know when I'm praying and I know when I'm not come on let's just be open and just loose here tonight I know when I'm praying I know when I'm not I know when I'm just walking the floor and pacifying my conscience and I know really when I'm digging in. Because you're helping me tonight. Because by me hearing that, that means we're all on the same page. Because you know what? That ain't a bad thing. Because what scares me is ones that think they're doing a job and they're not. I'd rather know that I'm not going into the glory. This was David's secret. David never got to go into the presence. He never got to go into that tabernacle. That's why I quoted that scripture at the beginning. David said, for now I'm I was glad when they said unto me to go into the house of the Lord. You know what that scripture really means? David was from the lineage of the Moabites. He's from Ruth. She's a Moabite. And Deuteronomy says, for three generations, ain't no Moabite coming into the house of God. David was the third generation. So David was saying, hey, things have turned. I now can come into the presence of God. It don't matter whether I'm a Moabite. It don't matter who I am. Here's what matters. Do I have a heart that's pleasing unto God? And if I've got a heart that's pleasing unto God, then God will move. Brother Morgan got to talking about thrones at, at the last meeting we were in. And he made a statement. And I, I've, I've preached actually here about thrones. Every church is God. It's either going to be a throne of righteousness or a throne of, of unrighteousness, wickedness, iniquity. There's two thrones. And one, we decide, and I say we, the people is who decides the throne. Not the preacher. You need to remember that. That's so critical. Because so many people get somebody and get a preacher and they think he's the one going to turn the crank. He don't turn the crank. It's the people that turns the crank. And they establish whatever throne is in there, whether it's a throne of righteousness. That's why you look at a congregation, and are they emulating righteousness? Righteousness, what, what's righteousness? We'll get into it later. That which is wanting to do right, number one. And number two, the righteousness of Christ. When you got the Holy Ghost, you got something in you that wants to be holy and pure. And when you acquiesce to that righteousness of Christ in you and say, I want the same thing, it establishes a throne in that congregation. That way when people come in and 
and they're perverted or they're twisted in their mind and they're bound by alcohol, the throne of God, the throne of righteousness that the people of God has said, this is going to be a house of righteousness. That righteousness begins to work for that sinner and that backslider. That's why if there's anything you and I could ever do together, let's have a throne of righteousness. Let's declare unto God, I want to do what's right. I want to do what's in the word of God. I want to do what pleases God because there's sinners that need to see. two thrones he didn't preach all that well but he preached on two thrones and it's the people you determine not me not me brother joe i help i'm just the leader i'm just an under shepherd i don't even call myself a shepherd i'm an under shepherd he's the master i'm under him you ain't my people you're his people i mess you up i get in trouble with him See my thinking? I'm trying to help you understand. When I get on a rant, I ain't on a rant. It could be God's on a rant. Say, oh, preachers don't do that. Go ask T.W. Barnes that. He said, when that man of God goes to the pulpit, operating in the prophetic, if that man's feeling heaviness, that's what the people are feeling. Or that's what God's feeling. God's heavy. That's what Jeremiah exemplified. He went before the king. He goes before the king, Brother Charlie, and the king looks down at him and goes, what's wrong? I'm depressed. He said, why are you depressed? He said, because my people are incarcerated. It's a picture of what God is feeling. Toward, toward, I'm, God ain't depressed. Don't get me wrong. But God's feeling and allowing human feelings to manifest through that man of God of what God's wanting to do so if God's got those feelings God's got anger too there's two thrones let me get back to it and the people is what determines that Brother Verbal Bean taught it like this and hear this I believe this with all my heart he said it like this Brother Bushnell Verbal Bean said there are people outside the door of a church by the masses wanting to come in but God will never override the will of the people. No matter how much that preacher wants it. So hear me. It don't matter how bad Brother Benoit wants revival. We ain't having it until you determine you want it. That's just the way it works. I can scream it, I can preach it, I can fast my guts out till I ain't got no more. My belly button scratching my backbone. It ain't going to help no good. But when you make up in your mind, I'm tired of living like this and I'm tired of back I'm tired of people going out to that river and shooting people and getting drunk and doing all... How can we sit with our godly church right here in this kind of chaos going on right down the road? You say, well, Ben, while it happens in San Francisco, my point served. I don't care where we are, San Francisco, Baltimore, Maryland. The church is supposed to reach for those kind of people and pray that kind of stuff out of here. And God's trying to deal with the church in this end time hour. We've got to be a praying church like we've never been before. And we're going to see more than we've ever seen before. I believe, just as he said, the people are wanting to come. But God's not going to override. You think, what's the will? The will is the carnality or whatever it may be. God's not going to override that. But when we can get in unity under the secret place of the Most High, then God, Sister Mark, can tell. That's why I said it. See, here's the thing. I see it, but I can't grab it. you got to grab it. you got to grab it. Because it's one thing, I said this with scripture, and I'm going to get to my lesson, I promise, I'm getting there. Sooner or later, I'm going to get there. 
David said, if it had not been for the Lord that was on my side. Verse 2. But now let Israel say. There's your scripture that proves. David said, it's one thing for the leader to have it. God's on my side. But it does me no good if the body can't see that God's on your side. But if the body can see that God's on your side and the leader can see God is on our side, then we together can see the greatest harvest that God's got for all of us. I don't know about you, but I think we got the right thing at the right time with the right people and God's ready to pour out of his spirit like never before. Now's the time for you and I to pray like we never prayed. Don't let the enemy steal your prayer. Don't let the enemy steal your prayer that God said was yours. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. said the ministers were continually given for prayer. They were, the minister was praying and the word was done. And the disciples then doing the work that they were appointed to. In those days when the number of disciples multiplied, there arose a murmur in the Grecians. Go on to the next verse, Brother Ron. And the twelve called the multitude of the disciples on them and said, It's not reason we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Next verse. Wherefore, brethren, look out ye among ye seven men of honor's report, full of the Holy Ghost wisdom. We may appoint over this business. Next verse. And we will give ourselves continually to prayer. So what you see in this in the very beginning is you got the leadership that's saying prayer is most important. There's nothing more important than it not just being me as, as a shepherd or, or my family, or, but it needs to be leadership as well. Sunday school departments, Sunday school heads, uh, uh, Bible study teachers, anybody in leadership. When the leadership begins to pray and continually give their self to prayer, things begin to happen. Go to verse 6. Verse 6 of the same chapter. Whom they set before the apostles, and when they prayed, they laid their hands on them. Next verse. And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples increased. This is where I closed last time. I want to bear it out one more time. If we won't increase, prayer is the only way. If you won't increase in your life, prayer is the only way. If you want to see your family saved, prayer is the only way. That's, it's not going to change. And the enemy hates you praying. So he's going to overload you at work. He's going to give you uh, old timers. He's going to give you blinded. He ain't, can't see. He's going to frustrate you with health. He's going to frustrate you with your family. He's going to frustrate you with work. He's going everything in his power to try to distract you from praying. Why? Because he knows that word. And the thing about it is we've got to know that word. And here's what it says. When they prayed continually, God gave them increase. You want to have great faith? Pray the word. Don't just pray your words. Pray the word. Grab that word of God. Those sheets I gave you a couple weeks ago. Pray the word of God. And what's going to happen is you're going to have increase. You don't know her tomorrows. You don't know what's going to happen with her tomorrow. God could come, yeah, but if he chooses to wait a little longer, you don't know. So what's your insurance policy without trying to be secular or carnal? Your insurance policy is this. Pray the word over her. Train up a child in the way should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. I speak that word over her now. I speak that word over her every day. I speak the day a word over John. I speak the word over Hank. I speak the word over every young person. As parents, if we'll pray it continually, you're going to have an increase with that son and daughter. We have reached a generational point. I don't know what happened. But it's like we have got a slew of backsliders. 
And i got to be real careful. I'm treading on thin ice right here. I know that. But just please let me bear the point. What happened? What happened? Where did we miss it? Where did we miss something? Now some I know the will of that human. I get that. I, I factor that into the equation. And some are just going to do what they want to do. They were bent. I got it. But somewhere in all of this, we got to look at all these backsiders that are out here and going, God, what is it that I can do to bring them back that we can have the increase that was sowed into them when they were young? Can you imagine the harvest of preachers and missionaries and Bible study teachers that's sitting in seed form that's in backsiders all over this parish, Jeff Davis Parish, Kakashu Parish, that all it would take would be somebody praying continually. But the enemy, our flesh, call it whatever you want. Don't want that to happen. That's why if you go to Rome, uh, Acts chapter 26, verse 18, you don't have to go there if you want to, you can. It's Paul speaking before one of the emperors. And Paul gives him the road Damascus experience. And he says, when I fell, who art thou? He gives him the name. And then Jesus gives him the assignment. The assignment was not given in Acts chapter 8 when, when, when Paul saw got his Damascus road experience. He later tells the details in chapter 26. And when he begins to tell it, find it for me, Brother Ron. Acts 26 and 16. Who art thou, O Lord? He said, there it is, 16. Here, here's him now telling what happened on that Damascus road. Arise, stand on your feet, Paul. I've appeared unto you for this purpose. Here it is. What's the first thing that happened to Paul? He had an encounter. We've missed our encounter. That's why people are just kind of cold in their spirit and heart and mind. They've missed their encounter. And then to compound it worse, we get a crazy mama, daddy, uncle, aunt, get beat, get abused, world, baggage, just problems. Not trying to sound callous. It's just the world we live in. And now they're not only compounded by that, they're compounded with, I miss that moment now. And Paul's moment was, stand to your feet. I've got a purpose for you to do. To make thee a minister and both witness of these things which thou hast seen and those things which appear unto thee. Next verse. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles on who I now send thee. Next verse. Here it is. To open their eyes and to turn them from the darkness. You notice what it says right there? It does not say your purpose is to go preach. Darkness removed. That reference right there is referring to prayer. And what he's trying to tell them is this. You've got to pray that they see. And when, I, when Brother Chester Wright mentioned that at that conference, he said they get, their eyes have got to be open. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I've always said it, but I never had the scriptural background for it. He, if you're expecting them to see this truth without us praying that it's revealed to them, they're not going to see it, Chloe. God save daddy. God save mama. God help mama. God help junior. God help Bobby. God fix this. 
Now, uh, here's what you pray. God, you've heard me say it. Let the scales of false doctrine fall from their eyes. I've said it from this pulpit numerous times. God, let the scales from their eyes begin to fall. Open their eyes that they can see that you're for them. You're not against them. The church isn't against them. But let them see. That's how you and I pray it. They'll turn from darkness. They can't turn on their own. I'll come back and teach on the, the, the ministry of an intercessor. What do you think Jonathan was to David? What was Abigail to David? Intercession. Intercession. Trying to show you and I how, how we can go before the king and plead the case for somebody else that they don't have to die. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. They don't have to die. They don't have to die in alcohol. They don't have to die in drug addiction. But if we'll get fervent and effectual in our prayer, they'll begin to see the light. If we're not fervent and effectual and praying Mary had a little lamb, it's not going to change. We've got to be more passionate than the enemy's passionate about keeping them. How? Will we defeat an enemy that's more passionate about destroying your kids than you are praying, covering over them? Well, I, 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 I prayed to Jesus today. Well, I love Jesus today. Good. I'm going to tell you like I tell good Baptists. Good, you believe in Jesus. High five. Amen. Great. But now let's go on. That's great. Everybody got to believe. But I can't stay there. Everybody got to love Jesus. But I can't stay there. Everybody got to confess his name. I can't stay there. I got to take the name that he gave me and get my family out of hell. I got to take the name he gave me and get my family out of jail. Increase will come continually. Brother Ron, go to Acts 12. I'm going to skip on you a little bit. Go to Acts 12. Because it goes with this blindness thing. They're blind. People are blind. They're incarcerated. They cannot see. They cannot see truth. That's why even coming to a... This is so important for a, a church service. If we didn't precede the church service with prayer, Brother Daryl, I can preach my guts out. And all that word's going to do is fall on the hardness of that sinner's heart. And then they leave, Sister Debbie, and then we wonder, the church is broke. Or our preacher didn't do a good job. No, we didn't pray before they got here. God conditioned that heart. Why don't we pray like David? Create in Bobby a new heart. Renew within him a right spirit. Pray that every day. That way when the day the light bulb comes on and Bobby says, Mama, I think I'm going to head to church. You done been praying a whole prayer of the word, not your prayer. Not what you want, but what God wants. Create in him a new heart. Renew within him a right spirit. That when he does come to the house of God, the word of God would fall like a seed into soft, tender soil of the heart. And then we're going to see a harvest that we don't have building to contain. We don't have Bible study teachers enough to teach it. Increase is directly proportional. 
to fervent, continual, heartfelt prayer. Increase does not come if there's no fervent, intention, heartfelt prayer. It's just emotion. Acts chapter 5. Peter was therefore kept in the prison, but prayer was made for Peter. And here's what the Lord kept dealing with me today. That whole chapter, Acts chapter 12, he kept dealing with me. They're in prison. They're in prison. They're bound by alcohol. They're bound by drugs. They're bound by perversion. They're bound by false doctrine. They're bound by whatever. Now, here's the kicker. Do we believe in Calvary? Every one of us believes in Calvary. Calvary conquered death, hell, and the grave. Calvary put everything back into perspective. It put hell in place. He took the keys out. I preached that Sunday. Hell knows you, ain't got, you have nothing over Calvary. When you and I obey the gospel, Calvary now comes a part of our life. We exemplified, exemplified the first step. I died in repentance. So now, I know Calvary done paid the price, Brother Roger. It's this easy. The battle is me. That's the hard part, Sister Martin. When I got one of my favorite lunches sitting at the table, or when I got one of my favorite hobbies to do, cut grass, waiting for me. Maybe it don't do y'all like me, but it drives me insane, Brother Charlie. When I know I'm cutting grass, it's like I can't wait to get outside and get on my lawnmower and cut. I'm going to get me a little horn. And have me a horn on it. it y'all, I'm joking, but for real, I got brain issues. Because if you like cutting grass, something wrong, huh? But I do. I like getting out there and just... And when I know my time has come... To go cut the grass. You know. Dad's over here chuckling like a, a chipmunk eating a handful of acorns. But here's the deal. I go to God in prayer first thing early in the morning. I put my phone away. Put everything away. But here's my battle. My mind, Brother Tyrone. My mind, Brother Mark. Ooh, I got to go cut grass. Ooh. I need to get on out there. Ooh. I better hurry up and get that done. Because who knows, by 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, man, something's going to happen. I'm not going to better do it. And my, I'm going to get something. Uh, I better get out there. And here's my battle, Brother Fontenot. And I'm using an example of the grass. But you know you got your same thing. I need to get out there and pick them, pick this. I need to get out there and pull it. I need to get out there and do it. I need to get out there and do I need to do this. And here's what happens. Our mind done took the journey. And God's sitting over here in the room of prayer saying, I'm waiting on you. Well, but God, I'm here. No, you ain't. Your mind's down there cutting grass, Benoit. Come on, who's going to get honest up in this church? Your mind's thinking about what you got to do for the day or what you got to do if it's 5 in the morning. You already lined out. You lined out your day when you put your head on the pillow the night before. I'm preaching a church just like me. We done got the day figured out tomorrow. What we going to do? Every T crossed, every I dotted. This is how it's going. And all of a sudden, God says, uh-uh. I want you up at four. I want you up at two. And where is my mind when my body's in the position of prayer? Who get honest? Folks, we're in a battle. 
And all I can tell you, all I can do is encourage you and tell you, pray no matter what it costs you. No matter what the demands of a job is. I could tell you all story after story, but you know what? Stories don't change people. The Word of God changes people. And that Word says if I pray without ceasing, continually, God's going to give increase. That means my health will increase. My family's joy will increase. My, he said, I'll meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. So whatever I need will increase. I might not get the fancy bass boat I want, but everything I need is going to increase because I prayed continually. He's in prison. How many families are in prison? And here's the kicker. We're ramping up for evangelism. I'm talking, man, I'm talking bus ministry. I got people wanting to drive buses right now. Oh, God. Oh, God, I just hit a sacred cow in Indian Village or something. We don't do buses in Indian. Hello, I'm going to rent a Greyhound if I got to. I'm going to do whatever I got to do to find the souls all over this area and if some in Indian village don't want it then I'm going to go down to Kinder I'm going to go to that river I'm going to go a little south I'm going to go a little north oh I bumped something right there that didn't like that I can tell right now in the Holy Ghost just don't like that I don't want that that's too much money I just hit another sacred cow you hear me God called this church to prayer before I ever got here. And our prayers is what's going to bring the increase however God wants to do it. God's just looking for hearts that are just willing to say, hey, God, I want to do whatever you want to do. I want to please you no matter what. It's not about, I want to fill this building up. I want to take it to another. We can do a tent revival. It don't matter. Let's just do whatever God wants us to do and see our backslidden family and members and neighbors and city council and the mayor. Let's see them all come. I'm going to really get crazy. I want to see the mayor of Kinder walk into Indian Village. You say, well, he'll go over. No, 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 no. I'll take the sheriff. I'll take everybody. I'll take the nurse in the hospital. I'll take the aide that takes out the trash. Whoever so will, let them come, Jesus, at whatever the cost. They're in prison. They're in prison. How are we going to get them out? I can't get them out. By myself. Remember what I said in the beginning? They're not going to come over the will of the people. You say, well, then well, I'm going to go back to it. I'm just going to brush it. I'm going to be real sweet. Why wouldn't you want bus ministry? Why wouldn't you? Well, and I don't know. I've never talked to Brother Do y'all know that me and Brother Terry Bushnell never talked? That shocks y'all. But do y'all know me and him, when me and him first got together? We rode. We went down the road. I can't remember one thing that I'm aware of that you ever said about any of the problems. Never did. You told me family histories. Good. He never told me any of your problems. Am I wrong, Elder? Correct me. I mean, I... I I never heard, not one time. And you know what? I never called him and asked him. 
Why are you saying this, Benoit? Here's why. God has got something now. It ain't going to overdo what was done then. It's going to build on what was done then. And whatever we did then, we're going to do now. And it's just going to add and it's going to increase and it's going to grow. Not because I'm here, but because the foundation's already been laid of what we're going to build upon. So that means God would have never put it on his heart to build the building. If there wasn't a kid, host of kids that we got to use to fill it. If God gave him the building, then God gave us the kids for it. So let's get a van and let's go pick up some kids and let's fill it. You say, well, then we're going to run out of room. Then we'll build another building. We'll get a tent. We'll get a canopy. That's good problems. And let me say this. So y'all all still love me after tonight. I'm speaking. 95% of you are right there with me. I'm just trying to reach for that 2%. I'm just, I'm doing the best I can to grab that little 2% that's on the fringes going. Now. I'm just trying to reach for that one. Just to just give you a chance. I promise it's not going to be as bad as you think. Just give it a try. And let's have everybody on board to rejoice when God starts breaking people out of prison. Now, how does it go? Peter's in prison. And prayer was made. Let me ask you, what would happen if we started having prayer meetings here in the church together? What would happen if prayer meetings started happening in homes? That's how it was back then. Ceasing of the church, that was the church. But the church was broke up into multiple places all over the, all over the city. Can you imagine... The prayer meetings that would start going on, Brother Bushnell. And when the prayer meeting, can you imagine the prison cells that would start opening and people that would start walking in the back door? Right now, who is it you want to walk in that back door? Lift your hands and call their name to the Lord right now. Come on, call their name. Call Bobby, call Johnny, call their name right now. We're going to start it right now in service, right now. Stand to your feet with me. Come on, let's close this service with a prayer meeting right now. God, by the authority of the name of Jesus. God, this is your word. This ain't Scott Benoit's word. This ain't Indian Village's word. This is your word. God, who is it right now you're ready to bring to the house of God? Come on, mama, daddy, brother, sister. Eh? Call their name right now. I don't care if they, people can hear you. Call their name. They're in prison and they need to get out. In the name of Jesus. Come on, call your neighbor right now. Somebody call the mayor. Somebody call the sheriff. Call the local doctors. Call the local nurses. Call the bus driver and kinder. Call the principal. Come on, call their name right now. They're in prison and they don't even know it. They're in a spiritual prison. They need help. Come on, call their name. Call their name. The Bible says without ceasing. Call their name. Go to verse 12, Brother Ron. 
And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who's named Mark. And there were many gathered praying. Peter got out of prison. Come on, this is Sunday school stuff. This ain't no real deep Bible study. Because they prayed, he got out. Brother Bushnell, I say this sometimes, and I know people probably think I'm the craziest thing in the, on the planet. But I feel such an old-fashioned, apostolic, just breakthrough prayer that's here in this building. She sang tonight, and they sang such a beautiful worship song. And I looked out across this congregation, and literally every hand was raised just worshiping God. We weren't shouting, and that's good. You know I'm all for praise. I preach it all the time. But tonight, there was just a sweet worship. And then here we are, prayer. This ain't a matter of, is it going to happen? This is a matter it's going to happen. And God is just sharpening us, Brother Roger. God's sharpening people in every area possible. This doesn't mean you weren't a good prayer warrior before. This doesn't mean you weren't a good saint or good preacher before. This just means the times have escalated. And God is sharpening His people to be positioned for the greatest outpouring we've ever seen before. I don't know about you, but I feel our church is right slap dab in the middle of that. And I don't want to do anything to grieve the Holy Ghost, quench the Holy Ghost, or miss it. Because I'm having a bad... Y'all with me? Y'all feel my heart tonight? I, I'm not screaming. I'm just I'm pulling tonight with my heart. I don't want to miss it, Whitney. I don't want to miss it, Liz. Terry Joe, I don't want to miss it. I done fought too many devils in San Francisco. To come to Indian Village and let this prince dictate to me and our church what we're going to do. You with me? I told Brother Butch, and I, I don't try to do this all the time. I really don't plan it. But I told him, the last three days, I felt like I was in the tenderloin of San Francisco. The tenderloin in San Francisco was where Brother Ed, all the prostitutes were, the drug addicts shooting up. Right in front of the hood of my truck. He dropped his pants right in front of my truck and shot up right there. And I felt the most horrific darkness when I'd go through Tenderloin having to do my job. You know what? That ain't going to win here in southwest Louisiana. And it ain't going to win in Indian Village. And it ain't going to win in Kinder. God's got a people that's going to repair the breach and stand in the gap. If you feel that tonight and you're just, again, hungry for God in prayer, step out of that pew here tonight and lift your hands. God's fixing to talk to somebody's heart tonight. He already has through His Word. He already has through His Word. Come on, lift your hands right now. God, I'm hungry. God, I just want something more in prayer. I want to see our young people have prayer meetings that go into the school that changes the school. God's got that for these young people. God's got it for these college and career. God's got it for these young couples. And God's ready to do it for us. Come on, lift your voice right now. Receive His Word. Jesus, I want Your Word tonight. God, I don't want to be known as a good preacher. I want to be known as a warrior. Come on, that needs to be your prayer. I don't want to be just a good saint. I want to be known as a prayer warrior. One that can get a hold of God. God's looking for that now because of the hour we're in. Whatever it may cost to reach out and save the 
Come on, I feel the sweet Holy Ghost presence just settling. Come on, just close your eyes right now. If you can't lift your hands because of health reasons, listen, just close your eyes. Tilt your head back. Just worship Him from your heart right now. Come on, these are precursors. This is why I push so hard at these altars. It starts right here in a church service. You take this home with you, but it's got to start here in the altar. David said, let my prayer be as incense. It starts in an altar. Close your eyes.